0: Listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Kink in the Chain podcast in 2020, no less. Yes, yes, yes. We're back for another year. Isn't that right, Ritzy? Yes, it is. It's so wonderful to be back. Thank you, my listeners, for staying with us. We got a great show ahead for you today. We're going to do a few things a little differently today. We want to let you get to know some of us a little better. So our next two shows are going to be interviewing each other. Isn't that going to be exciting?
0: Woo-hoo! It's my favorite thing to do.
1: We're going to find out all your dark secrets. or yours. Yes, that's true. Um, for any law enforcement officers listening... No, just kidding. It's all good. Um, <laughs> this week, my listeners... We have an article that talks about how BDSM gear is getting cuter. And that's important, I think, right?
0: Yeah, it is. Because, you know, it's coming from the black leather objects to pretty pinks and purples and greens and yellows and all the colors of the rainbow, not just black.
1: And I will admit that I do not know how I feel about this. BDSM has always been somewhat of a darker taboo thing. And now that it's become more mainstream, and heck, even Rihanna is making BDSM equipment, it doesn't quite have the same edginess that it used to have when we start adding things like this.
0: Oh, are you sure? Because all of my toys are purple. (laughs) Like, I have a purple paddle, I have purple canes, I have purple... And they also have pandas all over them, too. So it fits my personality and who I am as a top and my personas. So...
1: But do you have, like, a pink sparkly riding crop?
0: I do, Well, no, it's purple sparkly writing crop. I actually don't have anything that's pink now that I think about it. I have a lot of blacks, browns, and purples.
1: I mean, I will admit it's nice to have things that aren't just black all the time. That is somewhat nice. And even my own leather attire has different colors on it now, albeit breaking from tradition a little bit. But I mean... mean,
0: the the materials that they make these products out are still the same like my flogger yes my floggers are purple but they're still nice leather floggers so they're still using high quality material even though they're coloring it a different color
1: agreed and i guess we are we are somewhat appealing to a new generation which if conventions around the country at least in the united states are any indication attendance is dropping significantly or the, it, it's a combination of, shall we say, the old guard who are getting too old to come out at this point versus the young crowd who are coming in who don't have any money to attend these events. So here we're getting even more, a bigger population that can come into the community and okay, I guess I could live with a purple flogger if it means we get to keep, uh, keep our events going.
0: Right, because um, affordability is one big thing because the, the really nice stuff that does come with the black leather and the wood colors that's actually not that cheap and when people are brand new and they're trying to save money or they're trying to budget they go to the dollar store and they find things like rubber spatulas that are purple or pink and they use that to beat people with so i can see the concept of that kind of thing coming in that that's their choices that they have to make because of financial purposes
1: yeah and and like we got a letter from our uh, a local con here where we live uh, Basically saying that Please stay at the hotel Because it's costing him too much money And if you stay at the hotel We'll give you a, a free uh, We might give you a free ticket for the next year Because so many people are are Looking at these prices for some of these hotels And going oh god I can't afford this And they're going to stay at other cheaper places Or
0: so, you have like Six or eight people in one room
1: I've done that a few times <sighs> Which is
0: pretty crowded <laughs> with all the boxes we bring and everything else. It's, it's pretty intense.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, heck, I have to fly Southwest and just so I can bring those extra suitcases because, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't travel light when it comes to dungeon play, that's for sure.
0: No, we take about two suitcases each and Southwest gives you two free suitcases.
1: And sometimes I have to look at some of the other people in the party who don't have as much dungeon equipment like the slaves and subs and be like, "Okay, I'm taking one of your bags too because we we need we need I need an extra bag just for, you know, I got all my toys, but now I'm naked, so I need clothes, you know." <laughs> or I have to buy it all there, which I have done once. I realized that I had packed all my toys and didn't pack any clothes. So it's like, oh, goody, Walmart time.
0: <laughs> yep, now we're getting on a rant about cons. Sorry. This is true. <laughs> uh, I apologize. We're going back to the article now. Um. So colors.
1: Colors. Pretty colors. Lots of colors. I, I admit that it's not a terrible thing to have all these different colors. It's just it's different and it's new and if it keeps this BDSM scene alive, I admit the BDSM scene is constantly evolving. If it's going to keep it alive, I guess I'm okay with it. That's perfectly fine. I, I think they say it, it best in the, at the end of the article. So because of some of these new products, people who have previously dismissed kink communities are seeing what we've been wrestling with for a long time, such as consent and that kind of thing. So please go ahead and get that cute pink collar. Just make sure you get your information from certified sex educators and not your favorite pop songs.
0: Right. Because even though these pop artists are making these really cute devices, I they don't educate you on how to use them with the device. It's just like, here, buy my product because my name is slapped on it. That's what advertisement does. It slaps pretty names and information on it, it makes you want to use it.
1: And keep in mind, these products are not just so you can pull them out and go, tee hee hee hee, it's so cute. I, I mean, I, I want, you should use them on people, right? Um, you know?
0: Yeah. And it doesn't matter how cute it is, I'm still going to hit you just as
1: hard. Oh, yes. we. Uh, the, the dollar store has many cute items, as you were saying earlier, that we then proceed to turn around and hit people with. So. Right.
0: So all of my tools, yes, they were especially made for me because they're purple or they have like panda information. Like I have a panda flogger with pandas tied to the tips, which is very violent, but it's more of a decoration piece. So even though I have like extraordinary, beautiful pieces, some of them still cannot be used. So make sure that when you are buying anything that you're always making sure it can be used on a person. If it's pretty or if it's just hardcore black leather.
1: Agreed. So I guess to conclude, it is perfectly fine to have products like this. Just learn how to use them and have fun and and come out to events. Bring your pink flogger. I will will high-five you at said (laughs) events. (laughs) Yep. And now, my listeners, we have a product review for you today. We actually have three product reviews, one for each of our next shows. So look forward to that. Our first product is the Locked in Lust Chastity Cage. Well, Ritzy, what did you think about it?
0: Well, the Lock and Lust Chastity is very well made and has it's made out of very durable materials. It has several pieces like operating a puzzle. So I had to practice a few times before putting it on somebody. However, once I mastered it, putting it on was no challenge whatsoever. The most unique part is the vice. It's something I haven't seen in chastity belt devices before. The design is a breeze to install, and it makes escape very difficult. Trying to escape results in a lot of pain, which is what I like. The lock and lust cage also has very low profile and quite hard to detect under clothing, so I lock them up and let them go out into the world, confident that I hold his key and that there is no escape. Additionally, and possibly even most important to me, is it's easy and fast to remove. When you are in the moment, there is nothing worse than fumbling with the locks and getting all frustrated. It comes off easy, and it's easy to keep clean due to the high-quality plastic. This is the best cage that I have experienced and highly recommended.
1: And I had a similar experience with it, albeit a different side of it because, you know, I get to put it on me. Overall, I like the cage itself, and being a bit of a chastity fiend, I have tried a lot of cages over the years. Some I simply got for trying out on people because you really can't make custom belts and cages for everyone who wants to try it, as it would be expensive. So I buy cheap cages and belts to try them on people to see how they like it before investing in something custom. This model is similar to other plastic cages, but there is a key difference. As Ritzy mentioned, the vice. While this doesn't make the cage inescapable, it certainly disincentivizes you from trying. I did manage to pull out of it, albeit in a bit of considerable pain, and I still had the thing hanging from my balls, so, you know, pretty obvious. I am convinced that I could get out of it, but I'm not sure that my junk would be usable for some time, and I certainly couldn't get back into it. Would I use this as my long-term unattended chastity device, either for myself or others? Probably not, but in the context of a scene or a kinky weekend, yes. I just know myself, and I'm an escape artist, and if you tell me I can't do something, I look for ways around it. For example, website blocks at work were smashed within a day. I am also not a huge fan of cages for unattended use, as like I said, I can escape from them. However, if the person is supervised or nearby, I would use it as a first model for them to try. Therefore, I recommend this model for anyone looking to get into chastity. It isn't very expensive, and it has a assortment of sizes for both the ring and the vice itself, so it can fit pretty much anyone. Well, those are our red reviews, Ritzy, that we, that we wrote, but what do we really think about this?
0: Well, it goes back to the article we were just talking about, how things come in pretty colors. This device actually has a variety of cool colors. Like, I got a nice pink one. And I believe you got a purple one. I did. Yeah. So we went with the colored version instead of just the black harsh color. So going back to the article, even though it's a a fun device and you get to choose the color you want.
1: Agreed. And in that cutesy vein, I realized that there were third party manufacturers for some of the other models, not this model specifically, but there were third party people who were making skins for chastity cages. So in essence, it was like a sticker you put on it so you could have camo or you could put glitter stickers on it or whatever and make it make it yours. So people were already making them pretty. Like I said, I do like the vice element. I think it's very effective. Trying to pull out of something like that was definitely an interesting experience. But I hear you, you locked some poor boy up into it, didn't oh, you? Oh, I
0: did. But again... um Because it is like a puzzle, I had to practice a couple times because I felt very unsure. And then also it comes with several different sizes. So you had to make sure that the size you were using works for them. Also, the fact that, you know, when I touch a guy in his junk and he gets excited you can't put a chastity belt on an excited penis because it's too large to fit into these devices. So you have to make sure they're flaccid. So I had to make them think about like either splash cold water on them or think about a horrible situation to make their penis go down
1: or start hitting it.
0: Oh, I could have hit it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about hitting it.
1: Like go back down. Whack, whack,
0: whack, whack, (laughs) whack. I would actually get in a lot of trouble for that one because some people are not into (laughs) beating their penises.
1: Yeah. So, I rather like it uh, as far as cages. And like I said in my review, it's not – I prefer belts personally, but I really did like this device. Honestly, it was really, really good. And I would highly recommend that you check it out. It's, uh, it's really good. It's not that expensive. So if you're looking for an inexpensive chastity cage as the first model to try out on someone before investing in something bigger, this is certainly a great starter unit. It could be a possibly a permanent unit. It really depends on how the anatomy is designed. For me, I guess I just have weird anatomy and can slip out of these things, so I don't trust them for security myself. But your mileage may vary. Your junk may – it may be a vice lock on your junk. So we work directly with the company, and if you're interested in buying one, go ahead and check out. But then use the the promo code KITC. That's the abbreviation of Kink in the Chain at checkout and you'll get $20 off of a CAGE. This isn't any kind of a referral code, it's simply a discount code. Full disclosure, we received review units at no cost and no copy approval was given, and so this means they are hearing the review at the same time as you are. So these are our honest reviews. Thank you.
0: All right, everybody, now it's my turn. My turn to interview Rope Squirrel. You know he's been interviewing people for the longest time when you listen to his podcast, but now it's my turn to interview him. So here we're going to start off with, how long have you been in kink there, Rope Squirrel?
1: Well, I started in 2001, which was a long time ago, although it depends on how you define it. I was tying up girls on the playground when I was in elementary school, although tying up, I use that in air quotes. They stood next to the tetherball pole. and I'd run around them with jump rope. Okay, they were tied up. And then I'd run the other way and they'd be untied. Yay! It was kind of silly. I had a silly little bondage girlfriend in elementary school. It was great. She She was fun. Although, sadly, I don't even remember her name. But, you know, I was elementary school, so sorry.
0: So is this your true starting or did you start somewhere else?
1: Well, then as soon as I got out of my parents' clutches and got into college that was when i went on to a website that was popular at the time well i was actually on many different websites it was alt.com which i think is still around today bondage.com which got moved into something else and then i also was on collar collar me back in the day which is now collar space i believe uh, so i was on all these different websites uh, admittedly, I, I hate to admit it, I was a, a paid member of every single site, and it was costing me almost $400 a month to be gold member max, because I was like, okay, i got to find somebody. I love this stuff. I love this stuff. But then on me, I saw they had a section for local events, and there happened to be a munch in the same city that I was in. So I was like, okay, well, this seems like a good place to meet people. Walked into, at the time, my area... Still allowed cigarette smoking in bars, so I walked into a smoke-filled bar, and lo and behold, there's a table full of people old enough to be my parents. I was terrified. I did not want to go sit with them in any way. I'm an introvert by nature. I know that's weird being on a podcast and all the other things that I do that I'm an introvert, but I am. So I went and sat at a booth near them and just kind of peered over at them. I ordered a plate of French fries. I was a poor college student. I couldn't afford a lot of stuff. So I was like, just give me a plate of fries. And I sat there and watched them. Then they left and I left. They came around next month. I did the exact same thing. Walked in, ordered a plate of fries and watched them. On the third time that I walked in there, a dom came over from the table and said, you've been here for three months now and you haven't come and sat with us. Get over here. And she dragged me over to the table. That night, I was taken to a BDSM play party, which was admittedly a bit of a jumping in experience for me because I had no idea what to expect. And I don't blame her for this. We didn't negotiate as well as I would have liked. Things happened that I wasn't entirely comfortable with after the fact. Now, again, I said yes to all of this in the moment. So it's I'm not blaming that person. I had no idea what to do. But here I am today. I, I wouldn't recommend that as a start for most people.
0: I've hung out with you at a lot of conventions. And one thing that everybody remembers you for at all these conventions is your girl costume. So how did that come into play? Why did you know, Why did you decide to do that in the first place?
1: So I do train DMs in my local community. And one thing that people notice that when I am DMing is that I tend to dart my eyes around similarly to that dog in Up. Who goes squirrel? And keeps turning his head. My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may talk, squirrel. And so people ca- started calling me. You know, you have a very squirrel-like demeanor. So to be honest with you, I just decided to be like, you know what? Embrace it. And so with the squirrel is the same thing. We think you're very squirrel-like. I'm like, well, why not just go full on? So I got a squirrel tail made, and. Uh, squirrel paws and ears and everything else and so i can run around as a squirrel and disrupt the poor little puppies and make them all angry and want to chase me or the kitties like you you like to do the kitty thing
0: yeah kitty
1: so i think for me it's more about being unique Uh, people know me as the squirrel and there aren't many of them i only only recently found that there was a second squirrel in our community here locally and it is a lot of fun to be with a second squirrel and have another squirrel to play with but i've been around the country and seen all kinds of unique animals and that's what those are the ones that stand out to me i'm not saying there's anything wrong with puppy play or or kitty play but there's a lot of puppy players and a lot of kitty players but you don't see many platypuses or snakes or squirrels so being somewhat unique in the bdsm community is to have have this unique persona that people know me for and now i can walk through a lot of cons and people will just go squirrel and i'll go hello hello and say hello to those people because that's what i'm known for
0: it's a it's a that tail that you have is pretty big i don't know who created it for you but how do you handle that weight of the tail and walking around for long periods of time because i know you wear it for at least five hours
1: When I first started, the tail was filled with batter's cotton, which is a very heavy substance. However, it was kind of cool because I could bash people with it, knock them down. It was that heavy. But as you can possibly imagine, it was heavy and therefore it weighed a lot. And therefore, when I was teaching classes, after an hour and a half of teaching classes, I needed to go lay down because my back hurt. So we did a little surgery on the poor squirrel, and we We took all the batter's cotton out and we filled it with packing peanuts instead. Admittedly, I can't beat people with it now, but at least I can walk around with it. And I'll march in parades with it and everything else. It's still relatively heavy. I mean, imagine having a really heavy backpack on your back. It's got straps like a backpack, so it kind of holds it up that way. But it works, and and it keeps me from needing to, to break my back every single time I wear the darn thing. I need to make a sport version at some point because I can't wrestle puppies with it because last time I did it sprung a leak and I had beans leaking all over the dungeon, much to the detriment of, of probably the, the person who ran it probably saw that like, oh God, the hotel's going to kill me. <laughs> I, I made it lighter. Eventually I will make a sport version. Uh, sometimes when I rest, wrestle with the puppies, admittedly it ruins the costume a little bit, but I just take the tail off and wrestle with them with the ears and the paws and I think they get the idea.
0: They do, because I've actually been one of those puppies before.
1: Yes, you have.
0: <laughs> yeah, because puppy play is amazing. All right, so coming from all of this, what are your biggest kinks now?
1: My biggest kinks end up being chastity, hence why we reviewed chastity devices today. They're, they're great. They're fun. I like being able to take away something from someone that is so deeply intimate that you can't normally do. Then, of course, forcing orgasms out of people is always a, a good and fun one to do. Which you don't see a lot of. I mean, the important you see a lot of it. You know, after a long scene, they, they hit the person with a vibrator or something. You see a lot of that, but in the actual scenes, it's usually whip me, beat me. Now let's do some some aftercare. I'm not saying an orgasm is required, but hey, it's it's nice. We're we're already dealing with that kind of thing, and then I'm also a bit of a lightning bug. I like to shock people. Not electrocute people. That's one of my little sticking points where people say, will you electrocute me? And I'm like, nope, I'm not into necrophilia. Thank you very much. Because electrocution, electrocute, death. That's kind of the idea. Execute, electrocute. <laughs> so it's one of my little pet peeves when they do that. Um, I'll shock you all day long, but I won't electrocute you. Nope, nope, nope. But other than that, those are kind of my main big ones. I suck at rope, albeit that's in my name, so... Sorry, you're much better with rope than I am. That's true, yes. I do down and dirty rope. I just get it done. I tie them up. They can't move. We go on. To me, rope is the s- not part of the scene. It's the part of the scene you do before the scene can start. I know that's different for you.
0: It's a different for everybody. So even though you have these really amazing kinks, about how long did it take you to learn them or be trained in them, or however you
1: want to put it? Well, when I started off, I was... A submissive so I didn't learn any skills at all I was actually a slave when I first started to that same person who dragged me from that table in that story I was her slave for a number of years I didn't learn any techniques then I picked up a a partner who wanted to be my slave so I immediately went to my top and said could you train me and so I started learning a little bit about how to to hit people and and that kind of thing I actually learned how to flog and hit before I learned any of my other kinks and then I started playing with electricity Hmm. electricity is so much fun so easy to learn actually if you're if you're willing to spend a a few hundred dollars on a on a few devices now i have many devices unfortunately as for the forced orgasm stuff you start off small you buy little vibrators and whatnot then you move up to stuff like the motor bunny or things of that nature and and get those high powered ones i want to get an orgasmatron but I, i hear that's even more expensive yeah those are fun though other than that, it, it just takes a long time to of using it, and then once you actually master it to a point where you think that you can teach others, then you need to go out and start teaching classes, because I think that's important, to spread our knowledge around and make more lightning bugs and orgasm people and everything else.
0: Yeah, that's always a good thing to do. All right, well, those kinks sound amazing, but if you think about all the toys you have for these kinks, what is your top three favorite toys?
1: Well, because they're probably the most versatile, we of course have a violet wand. I I can't stand neon wands, honestly. I just can't. They're not, they don't feel good to me. But my violet wands, I always have them with me. They are always packed in every toy bag I always have. Because again, big part of my kinks. I usually always try to bring a vibrator with me if possible. You never know, never know if it, it, a scene could turn into that. And ropes and cuffs, because. That goes with everything. Heck, it's the first letter of our darn acronym, bondage. So you got to have that stuff with you at all times. I us- usually also always bring my, uh, my personal bondage gear just in case. Admittedly, I rarely get to use it, but on those rare occasions, it's very nice to have. And I'd rather have it and not need it because I don't know about you, Ritzy, but I have been to the club a number of times Just because I wanted to hang out and I go, okay, well, I'm not going to play tonight. So I leave my toys at home. I don't bother packing. And then somebody comes up to me and goes, oh, I'd love to play with you. And I'm like, "Mm, I'd have to drive home and get my toys.
0: (laughs) And then we end up borrowing toys from other people.
1: Yeah. I've done
0: that quite a few times.
1: So now, even though sometimes I get a little disappointed, I always pack a bag just in case. Because you never know what's going to happen. I'd rather leave it in my car and not need it than need it and not have it
0: so you travel a lot to conventions how do you actually narrow down your toy collection to just one suitcase
1: i mean besides the obvious 50 pound weight limit that we have for all our bags although that that i'll admit that is really hard uh when you when you're going to a convention because you don't necessarily know what kind of scenes you're going to be doing ideally if i can i try to make my scene plans ahead of time and then pack accordingly But if that isn't the case, if I'm going to just some random con and don't know anyone, then yeah, then it becomes a matter of, okay, I need to bring the most versatile toys that I have and as few of them as I possibly can. So like I have three Violet Wands, for example. I probably don't need all three in my suitcase. Let's bring one and a handful of attachments and call that a Violet Wand kit. Bondage, I'm going to bring one, two sets of cuffs and a handful of ropes and call it good for that forced orgasm that's a tough one hauling a sibian slash motor bunny is pretty much a suitcase all on its own so unless i know i'm doing that i usually don't bring that just pare it down to a vibrator uh, or various other things or admittedly i sometimes ask in local communities if somebody has one that i could borrow for the day um, oftentimes i've found that some that there's somebody who's got one like oh i'd love to do it just do it on my person first
0: <laughs> that's awesome all right, so a little bit today we were talking about um, cute gear. So I was wondering, does cute gear make you play differently, or does it really matter?
1: I've always been a cutesy top to begin with, so if I have a cute little thing to beat people with, yeah, it's going to make me play a little, be a little more silly than I already am. Versus, you know, black leather stuff, I might be a little more dominant than I normally am. We'd be like, get down on your knees, slave girl, or something of that nature, versus, does that tickle? <laughs> It's so cute. Oh, I'm going to beat you with it. hee <laughs> hee Oh, your pain, it hurts me so. And and actually, my voice changes. Sometimes I'll even go into chitters a us voice, and then I'll talk like this. Ho <laughs> I'm going to get you. Actually, I did a scene the other night where I spoke in Russian the entire time. Well, a Russian accent, anyway. That was kind of weird. I had never done that before. Oh, you're American girls. So, things like that. You know, this, actually, it was a lot better than that. <laughs>
0: You have to be in the moment for it, correct? Yes. Yeah, I I know how that feels. So when you're scening, um, how do you get out of a bad headspace? Like if you're in the middle of a scene and all of a sudden something happens around you, like if you're in one of the clubs and people are distracting your headspace and actually make it into a bad headspace, what do you do?
1: So as far as people go, it's not usually – I don't usually pay attention to people just walking around the only thing i usually pay attention to are crowds which sometimes develop when you're doing a pretty interesting scene people stop to watch the only conditions i could think of would be one individual who will go unnamed that if that person walked in it might completely destroy my scene if i saw them because it would definitely be uh like oh my god what are they doing here oh my like this is this is awful I try to go on the philosophy of live and let live, let everybody do what they want. If that person wanted to come to the club, I fully support it. Great. I just don't want to interact with that person. Let them come. So I don't usually notice people around me. Now, of course, if there's, let's just say the the most obvious one, at least at our club is that we have a few screamers, shall we say, they get beat and they scream their bloody head off, even if they're not being hit that hard. And it's definitely distracting. Usually I just end up refocusing on the person and just tuning everything else out around me and just continuing to to do what I'm doing, focusing on my person. Uh, So I don't let it get to me. As far as drop, though, after the scene, I don't usually experience that. I have had a few cases. For me, drop happens more when I volunteer, when I'm an active part of my community. When I work at my local convention and did almost uh, 36 hours of volunteer time over the course of a weekend – and then when that ends and after I'm being praised by all my – what I consider to be people closer to me than my family telling me how wonderful I am and thanks for volunteering and we love you and you've grown so much. And then I come home and, one, I can't go to work the next day and talk about it because, you know, yeah, I was at a kink con this weekend. Oh, that'd go over well. <laughs> Although with my boss, I don't know. It actually might. But who knows? Well, he's he, he goes out to the gay bars every weekend and uh, – <laughs> So I've, I've mentioned once or twice that uh, I sometimes teach at some of the gay bars, so I have I usually try to ask him if I'm going to go out that weekend, like, so what bars you going to this weekend? Just so I don't, you know, see him. <laughs> That'd be a little awkward. Not that it's a bad thing. I, I, I don't think it would be an issue, but one of those things. But how do I deal with drop? For me, being an introvert, I have to recharge my batteries. I just have to come home, relax. I try to focus on other things, whether it be the podcast, whether it be just, video gaming or, or other people. Or my biggest tip that I usually use for people is look forward to the next event. That seems to break me out of my funk. So if I've just done, finished a con, I'm going to do a scene, let's say that next weekend. I'm looking forward to that scene. I'm focused on that scene. And so in essence, the con never ended. It just paused and I'm waiting for the next bit to happen. Bit. So
0: when you're either topping or bottoming do you have you ever had to call red in one of these scenes
1: let me put it this way there have been some times when i probably should have i'll admit i even if i'm in a rotten mood i tend to just put on a happy face and keep doing the scene whatever that might be perhaps that's a detriment maybe that's something i shouldn't be doing to be honest with you but i do it anyway If I've made plans with somebody, I really hate to break them unless I have like I've canceled scenes before, like when I've been sick, you know, and it's been unexpected or something like that. But even if I'm in a rotten headspace, I will still attempt. Now, there has been one occasion that I can think of that this is back when I was with my top that um, I had my my sub tied to a cross or actually they tied her for me. Cause I was in a bad mood that day. I don't remember why, but they handed me a, a cane and said, "Well, here, go beat her. That'll make you feel better." And it may have, but I can't beat anybody when I'm angry or upset. So I, I walked over there and I got ready to swing, and I just dropped the flogger and walked off because I couldn't do it. I just it's like I, I'm going to hit you harder than I want to. I can't do it. So I've never been able to hit anyone out of anger, and. So if I'm in that bad, that's about the only scene I think I've ever canceled mid-scene. Everything else – the only other times I cancel – I'm a bit of an early bird. So when it's coming up on like 11.30 at night in Dungeon, I'm starting to get tired. So I have called scenes for being like, okay, I'm standing here shocking you and I'm falling asleep. Nothing wrong with you. You're wonderful. I just – I'm falling asleep. So I have canceled for those kind of reasons. But it's never been – I've never canceled a scene due to my emotional headspace. I just – Go through it, and then I go, come home and and deal with that emotion later. I just kind of put that on hold. Put it—I always say—putting it in a bottle and dealing. Put it in the cupboard, dealing with it later. So no, I don't think I've ever canceled a scene due to bad headspace. I just do it and deal with the consequences. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know.
0: So finally, what advice would you give to a new person?
1: Well, don't be like me. <laughs> Actually, it's not so bad. I've heard actually horror stories of some individuals who a major convention was their first introduction to a scene. And like, oh, dear God, how did you not run away screaming after that? Like some of the stuff that goes on at those cons. But I guess my advice would be don't try to do everything all at once. We, as we've talked about before, subby frenzy. You definitely don't want to hop in immediately, agree to everything and do everything all in one scene. Start slow. Take your time. I recommend that when you go to events that you don't play on your very first night. I know that that seems somewhat counterintuitive. You're going to a BDSM party and you're obviously, or you think you're kinky anyway, and you want to play. Don't get to know people. Understand this is a community first. I usually tell people make plans for the next party to play, but don't just you know walk up to the first the first person who says, "Would you like to play?" Yes, yes. Oh, please do do all these thirty things to me. I'm not saying that you that that's a terrible thing i also know people who have done that as well in fact one of my good friends has done that and it was quite funny because she was handed to me uh, i was told to keep an eye on her for the night and i was uh, however i was running the event so i'm running around doing stuff but every i'm I'm checking in with her every five minutes and then during one of my check-ins she's gone i go check in the dungeon there she is playing on her first night like and i told her not to do that but she decided to do it anyway. And that's that's okay. She's still part of the community today. I, I, I think she's very happy. So it's not the end of the world. But you'll definitely, I think, have a better introduction to the scene when you start to know people as people. And you understand that we're a community of friends. And, and we're a family, in essence. And go ahead and get to know people first. And then try playing. I think you'll have a much more fulfilling experience.
0: When you're doing scenes, what... I know you're a Switch, so how do you decide if you're going to top or bottom? What What's the factors that you put into play?
1: There's a decision?
0: Is there? I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is for you. I, I don't no. know. What, which one is it?
1: No, what I mean is uh, the, sometimes, okay, the, not every Switch has this problem, and I'm, I don't know about your scenes, since you're somewhat of a Switch as well, but... There are occasions when I negotiate with somebody about what is going to be done, but at no point is there a negotiation of who is going to be doing said thing to who. So when the scene starts, we're both starting to get undressed and we both look at each other like, um, wait, I thought you were topping. (laughs) So that has happened a few times. Um, Admittedly, a lot of the people that I play with end up being submissive, and I'm sure you have the same pains as I do that – Everybody wants to submit to you. No one wants to top you. Right. So it, it, usually the people I play with end up wanting the submission. So I, my, my top gets a lot of, of play all the time. The sub, not so much. I have to go out of my way to plan scenes for that and make sure that that happens. But I do make sure to pack my sub gear in my bag just in case, cause you never know. So how do I decide? Well, I usually let the other person decide. And I think it's somewhat of a a greedy aspect to be a Switch because you can play with anybody. And if you don't care what gender you play with, which I don't, literally I can walk up to any person at the club and be like, do you want to play? And then they might go, oh, sorry, I'm a sub. Or, well, I don't know why you'd be sorry about that, but, um, oh, I'm a sub. Well, good news. I'm a Switch, so I can top. Or, oh, I'm a top. Well, then would you like me to sub to you? And If you don't care what gender you play with, I mean, I played with guys and men, women and transgender individuals. So it doesn't honestly matter what you got between your legs. I'm going to torture it, whatever that might be (laughs) Um, versus something that I've seen with a lot of guys, some of whom are like desperate to play. And I offer to play with them They're like, but you're a dude like, yeah. And who cares? Well, I care. Okay, well, I'm not going to have sex with you, and even if you're a woman, I wasn't going to have sex with you. So, what does it matter? I'm just going to hit you. Just close your eyes and pretend I'm a woman. Like, <laughs> but some guys are just like, nah, I can't do that. It's got to be a, you know, it's got to be a girl because like,
0: they well, smell pretty.
1: You I'll, might
0: need that perfume oh, or that pretty scent.
1: Maybe I'll get some perfume put it in my toy bag. Be like, you, you want me to smell like roses? I'll smell like roses for you. <laughs> You know, I want want a long wig. Maybe I'll put a wig in my toy bag, and and I'll talk in a high voice. (laughs) You know, be like, "Oh, you're such a bad boy, aren't you?"
0: So now that we covered like your biggest kinks and what your toys are and your different gears and stuff, so what is your goals for 2020 as a kinkster?
1: I definitely want to expand into more conventions. I know that. My other persona needs to come up with a variety of new classes because I haven't been getting picked as much as I would like to be getting picked. Um, a lot of the the cons that I would normally apply for just simply haven't been picking me anymore. And so I definitely need to come up with some new material. And a few cons that I go to regularly, I literally cannot think of anything else to teach them that has that they either have not taught or that I know how to do. So I think I'm going to have to come up with some new kinks at this point to then learn so that I can teach new classes. Because I I really like teaching. I really like going out and educating people. Plus, I'll admit it's fun to go to new cons all the time, see the toys, see the community, go tour those cities. For example, when we go to Southeast Leatherfest, we're probably going to go to um, – like we're going to go – it's in Atlanta, so we're probably going to go – tour of the Coca-Cola factory and the CNN tour and, you know, weird, weird touristy stuff, even though we're there for a con. So I really like, uh, I really want to get out to more cons, but to do that, I need to get more kinks and therefore more classes. So that's kind of my, been my resolution this year. Um, and establish a more regular base of play partners. I have a few different ones, but I'd like to get a, a few people that I can play with a little more regularly. So that's, uh, I think those are good resolutions I can keep this year, right?
0: Yeah, those are actually pretty good goals. It sounds like it needs a lot of research and development.
1: Yes. Uh, we'll just go on to uh, Extreme Restraints and have them send the mystery boxes, and we'll just learn whatever kink they send. Oh, maybe maybe <laughs> That we'll... actually
0: sounds like an amazing company to create. Maybe you can put that on your list for 21. Mm-hmm. 2021.
1: Actually, there are a bunch of companies that do kink mystery boxes that you can just oh, have getting? delivered, yeah. And, uh, and they'll just send you random stuff similar to like those loot crates and things like that they'll just send you random kink toys and it's oh. like that sounds like fun that does sound
0: like fun <laughs> or have a mystery kind of playstation so how does it feel to be on the other side of these interview questions
1: i mean you're wearing a crazy monkey mask and staring <laughs> at
0: me yeah he's shifting his eyes rapidly at me mm-hmm. he's trying to find other things to look at it's pretty funny
1: mm-hmm. she's she's very scary and intimidating oh yes i mean uh, I mean she she uh, she's even scarier than Lee Harrington when he interviewed me, so you know <laughs> uh. good though uh, yeah, and uh, of course, my listeners, we always want to have more interviews on the show. So if you would like to be on the show, please hit us up podcast at kink We'd love to interview you. It's great. and if you're going to be at one of the conventions that I'm going to be at, I usually will try to announce it. Uh, for example, in, in my other persona, I will be at uh, Southeast Leather Fest, which is in Atlanta. So, if you are interested, you know we'd love to interview you. Honestly, we'd, uh, we we try to find local people, leaders of the community. But we'll, if you want to come on the show, we'd love to talk to you. Yep,
0: that would be great, and then you get to meet us in person and hang out with us.
1: Yes, and and see how scary Ritzy is in person. Yep. her avatar is very cute, but she's scary.
0: <laughs> That's what I like to be scary. Mm -hmm. I'm a very intimidating person until you get to know me. Send help. (laughs) All right.
1: Well, my listeners, that's the show for this week. This is our first show for 2020. And uh, I think our combined resolution is to do more shows right
0: yeah sorry we took a kind of break over christmas because we both had holiday stuff to deal with so we couldn't record over christmas
1: yeah and it was it was a little tough but i did manage to get the one episode out with algernon so i'm, I'm happy that we managed to get that out but um expect more episodes in 2020 more interviews more product reviews again we got two more product reviews coming up Next week, we're reviewing the Motor Bunny.
0: Ooh, it was so much fun.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we've been saying that for a while. <laughs> and then after that, we have another product, which I will leave as a bit of a surprise. But it'll be two products all that work together, so it'll be great. We may even review those on air. We'll see. But as always,
0: stay kinky, my friends. I love you all. You're all amazing check us out on the web, the web at kinginthechain.com follow us on twitter at king Chain show or call us we don't bite unless you ask nice have feedback
1: or want to submit a question for a future show
0: send your emails to podcast at kinginthechain.com